subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for conversations with veterinarians, oncologists, rehab therapists, and other experts discussing amputation for dogs and cats. Find more info, helpful care tips, and a free gift at tripods.com slash radio. He's got a few miles left, knock on wood. He's a three-legged dog, but he's still Thank you for tuning in to Tripod Talk Radio, where we're spreading the word that it's better to hop on three legs than limp on four. Hosted by Jim and Renee and Wyatt Ray of the Tripods Blogs community at tripods.com. Jerry's Place for canine amputees and their people. Hello and thank you for listening to Tripod Talk Radio. All pet owners and any veterinary professional can benefit from our conversation today, though it's a discussion none of us ever really want to have. We've all dealt with the loss of a beloved pet. If not, we will someday. Renee and I deal with anticipatory grief and bereavement among members in the Tripods forums every day. And even though I've been through it myself, it's always hard to find the right words for those grieving the loss of their cat or dog. Thankfully, there are certified professional counselors available to help who can guide us for helping others. Today, we're talking with Anneli Adolfsson, an APLB certified pet loss and bereavement counselor. Anneli holds a certification from the Association for Pet Loss and Bereavement and is chair of the Professional Pet Loss Alliance Education Committee. We'll find out how she came to create the many resources available at angelpawprint.com, and we'll learn some helpful tools for coping with pet loss in all its many forms. Welcome to the show, Annalie, and thank you for joining us. Great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. This is really, truly my passion. Hi, Annalie. It's nice to hear your voice again. Yes, it's, it's wonderful nice to have to you here. Yes, great. Thank you so much. Oh, you bet. Well, you know, we met uh, a few months ago at the Western Veterinary Conference, and yes. when you came up to our Tripods booth, you know, there was just something about you. You, just, you have this really great magnetic personality, and oh, I just, thank I, you. really, and I just, you know, I, I really wanted to get to know you, and especially because of the line of work that you're in. I mean, my gosh, it's a very difficult thing. Pet loss and, and bereavement is very difficult. And it's oh my so unfortunately shunned, you know, by society a lot of times. So a lot of times I deal with people really struggling with uh, sort of encountering disenfranchised grief, which is when sort of people do that standard thing, oh, it's just a dog or it's just a cat. You've grieved a week now. Aren't you ready to move on or get another one? So that is a lot of times, I think, why people sort of go into a little bit of hiding, isolate themselves, and become very alone during this process. So having had that experience myself, I thought, my goodness, there has to be some outlets for this where pet parents can turn, get all the information, and then be able to process and move forward and not seeing moving forward as something negative. Because I think we associate that sometimes with leaving things behind, and it doesn't mean that. It just means get the good memories and be able to process them better. That is a, a perfect description, and, and you're so right. I mean, uh, bereavement is something that right now it's very, um, I want to say disjointed. If the resources yeah. out there are they're kind of all over the place. And so when one of our members loses one of their, their tripod, whether it's their tripod or their quad pod, you know, it's just, it's really hard for us to, to point them to one go-to place. And so 
when we discovered what you were doing, I thought, I really want to help get the word out because it's so needed. Oh, fabulous. Um, Thank you. Yes, very needed. Yeah, and and so I but let's let's back up a little bit because yes. you know I, I want to talk about your life for a bit because there there are so many crazy circumstances and things yes. that that led yes. you. I read the bio on your website and I just loved it, and I would love for you to share a little bit oh, about absolutely. yeah, it's please quite a little mishmash of many things, and I've always thought, my goodness, there has to be a purpose to all these things happening where they are so traumatic that I'm thinking, wow, do I even want to wake up tomorrow? And I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here today, and I'm going, yes, now I can see why all these things happening. Not saying that I was in control in any of them, but just taking the experience for each one, taking the knowledge, growing with it, and now being able to apply it to helping other pet parents. So, for instance, so I grew up in Sweden, right by the Arctic Circle. Cold, dark, don't ever go back there. <laughs> yeah. um, I, my intentions were to become a doctor. Um, I wanted to work in uh, psychology. That has mm-hmm. always been a very big fascination of mine, uh, how the mind works and how people act, uh, often depending on experience or things like that. So I majored, majored in psychology. Um, uh, right out of school, I went and started um, working at a psychiatric facility, which mostly dealt with criminally insane, like people have committed crimes due to their illness, or wow. people that were old and just didn't have anybody left and mentally disabled, and they were just going to live out their life. Sound like a hospice situation. Wow, so at a very, I was only uh, 19, and I was like, Wow. This is, mm-hmm. this is a little much for me, and it really took a toll on my mental state. Like, I took all that with me home, and I just became very depressed. I thought, i got to take a break. And then, so fast forward to New York, lived there, worked as a photographer. Um, then 9-11 happened. So I was present for that. I saw the second plane hit. And oh, my gosh. And the turmoil that went with that. I lost some friends in it. And at oh. the time, I had a studio um, uh, in the fashion district. And business went from fabulous to non-existent in one day and it really made me think and the whole city changed of course and I'm sure everybody is aware of and that's how I ended up in Vegas I just needed to do something different move away and then when I came here um, it was one thing after another I purchased the house and I wasn't really aware of what went into contracting always lived in an apartment Mm -hmm. so a slew of misfortunate events and arguments and court hearings because they stole materials and just did a whole bunch of stuff. It ended up, which sort of like was the culmination of the disaster, where my boxer that I had from New York, his name was Matt the Seven, most amazing dog, he got shot and killed. <gasps> and, oh. um, yeah, it crushed me. Uh, like, still oh. to this day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a burglary. There was a slew of burglaries, and my house was one of five that were hit in one night. And uh, I wasn't home at the time. And when I drove up, I saw the cop cars because they'd hit the neighbor too. And all my dogs at the time was Master and one that was Princess and then Angel, the one who inspired it all. They had put them in the garage. So I was like, thank you. And I didn't care about anything else. But literally the following week, I moved out of the house and into my studio. And then eventually that year, I just ended up moving to to Los Angeles. Uh And... um, there, there were just one thing after another. I think I was so consumed by all the negativity that had happened that mm-hmm. I don't know if I should say that 
this is what caused me to have cancer, but I ended up having cancer. And oh my gosh. I moved back to, yeah, it was like, ugh. I moved back to Vegas and thought I just need to sort of deal with it. Took some time off, uh, kicked that to the curb. Life was good and better with that. I will discuss this sort of more, but it's just all these different events and the different types of deaths that I experienced with my pets were very, very traumatic. It wasn't like a peaceful, sort of nice going. One was shot, one was sort of attacked and killed. And then Prince, right. fast forward, she passed of illness, her organs shut down. And then, of course, Angel, my rock, who was sort of with me through all of this. And uh-huh. I forgot to mention that my father passed when I was 16 and my mother in 2012. So Angel was like the last lifeline. So when she wow. passed, all that stuff magnified to a level that I cannot even explain. I, I, ca- I can't I, even imagine, Annalise. Yeah. You have been when through When I say more, that was understatement. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. It's like somebody threw me in the middle of an ocean and I was drowning. And I thought, oh, my God, I have nobody left. Like, there's nothing left. So I went into a spiral, and this is what uh, sort of really inspired Angel Paulprint because no matter where I turned, it was either a door shut, no information, nobody could tell me, there was no support offered, and I just went, oh, my God, I'm going nuts. This is, I, I must do something about it. And from that, all the things that I felt were lacking at the time when I had my experience, it's kind of like what I built Angel Paulprint around. So oh, that's sort of like it in a little nutshell, yes. That's a mean that version you, of the case, yeah. I mean, you are an incredibly strong person because, you know, that. I mean, anybody with, with one death even would throw them into a spiral, but you saw way more than anybody should. And, yeah, I, I mean, wow. And to be able to turn that into something so positive and, and helping others, I mean, what a gift you're giving to people. Yeah, it's that, that's truly, incredible. Truly and I, I feel now, looking back, I think that from each death, and, you know, especially, okay, so if I'm going to go into angels, for instance, for me now, knowing what I know about whether it's human or pet loss, closure is very important for me, and closure meaning that for me, my journey is I need to sort of follow the person or the pet through all the different stages of transition, whether it's sort of declining, um, the cremation part, the viewing, and all of that. For me, that puts me in a much calmer state. Now mm-hmm. I know all the facts, and I think my, one of my biggest things now with Angel Corporate is education. I need and I want pet parents to know their options because often if we make emotionally-based decisions, we often regret them later. We don't base them on facts. So I try to say in advance, even I know we're going to talk about anticipatory grief, but saying that if you know your options way ahead when your pet is still around or even for a person, you can prepare. So when that time comes, you can focus your energy on healing and dealing with the emotional aspect as opposed to just crushing and falling. And often, a lot of times, if you're, let's say, in the veterinary office um, and you get presented with you have to make a decision there or then, just one example. Um, often they have one option that they present that they have normally like a contract with a different crematory and they say these are your options and costs and this and that. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what you could do ahead of time, you're often you just say yes and you go ahead with it. And then yeah. later you find out I could have, should have done. So I 
often want to like just create the mo- most amount of knowledge so that you can make the best decisions for you and your pet when the time comes. So this is how uh, you describe it as a as being a co-pilot or a yeah. concierge, and and so this is the kind of thing that you're helping people with through Angel Paw Print. Yeah, I think that for me, first of all, the most important part of being a counselor is to listen. When somebody is grieving, you don't know where they're coming from. You don't know what unresolved issues might be underlying that's either going to magnify or do something different to their reaction at the time. Sometimes people say things that are so out of this planet, but who am I to judge? Because I've been there myself. So Mm -hmm. I try to be very, very neutral and only listen and validate their grief at the time and let them go through that process because it's often the first part, like shock, denial, you don't want to accept this whatsoever, so you're just blurting out things, you're angry. And very important to know the different stages of grief don't really come in any particular order. Like, so, ah. so you can be super angry first, and then you can disbelieve later. Uh, depression can come first. They might or might not occur for every person. Again, it's most often based on previous experience. So... Mm-hmm. With the co-pilot thing, I highly, highly, highly encourage pet parents, if they can, to be with their pet at the time of transition. Even though it is so painful, it is such a beautiful blessing to be able to be present when that happens. And a lot of times I will go in and I will help somebody because they refuse to be there. And I kind of personally feel that the pet shouldn't be alone at that last moment. And Mm -hmm. then afterwards going forward several weeks or something, then the pet parent will often regret that I should have been there. Why didn't I? And then the guilt kicks in. I wasn't there for Fluffy at this day. How could I have done that? And they start beating themselves up even more. So things like that, I try to tell people way ahead of time not to convince you to be there because maybe perhaps you are absolutely not able to face that, and that is okay. But if you can sort of process that in your mind prior to, I will be there with you, to help you, so I offer either to pick them up, help them transport the pet, be there for them, be them with them uh, during the process and after, and then take them home, help them with anything that's due with aftercare or anything like Aww. that. Wow. that Wow. That is such a great service, especially for, you know, people who are, are solo, they may not have family in the area, and you know, for our community, I always, I worry about those folks because I, you know, when I think about who's going to drive them home from the vet, I mean, who's in right. condition to do that? It's awful. And, and all, you know, there are more um, home euthanasia services now, but still they're not everywhere. And so to, to have somebody like you is, is such a blessing. Yeah, I really try to be that person that sort of comes in with a very open, non-judgmental mind. Um, not to say that there are not times where I wish that the pet parent would be able to see the situation in a different light. And this is mm-hmm. where I'm going to focus a little bit on the state of the pet, the condition that they're living in, or perhaps their health. I think that the last thing that anybody loses is hope. So, you know, we're very, very quick to sort of, if a pet's health is failing, and we see that one sign like, oh, my goodness, they played with their toy for one minute today or they drank a sip yeah. of water or they wiggled their tail. We're like, oh, that's it. They're on their recovery way. I must hold yeah. them even longer. 
And a lot of times it's just their want and need to please us. I mean, that's what they do. They're there unconditionally mm-hmm. to make us happy. So when they see us bad, they want to make us happy. So they make that effort from like the gut of their core. But yet it's really, they are ready. It's just us that aren't ready. Right, right. We saw that in our own dog and we right. saw it. We canceled our first euthanasia appointment with him because we said, look at him. He's doing great. Oh, my right. gosh. You know? Yes. And it happens a lot. It happens a lot in our community. So how do you do these kinds of services long distance? Um, you mentioned that you do them in person, yeah. but you, yeah. Either, yeah, either on the phone or via Skype. So um, okay. Skype, I find a lot of times it's very, um, I, li- I kind of prefer that a lot of times because then I can see the person um, mm-hmm. and read them a little bit better. Um, I think people are very easily triggered. Um, so it's, the slightest word can be, you know, a cause of anger. Let's say, for instance, if somebody has a pet that's 15 years old and you ask, how old is your pet? Well, it's healthy. Why do you think it's an age? It's not an age thing. They're still here. So you mm-hmm. never know Whereas the next person might be, yes, they have lived a great life. They're 15 years old. So to be very neutral, it's easier for me to see the person and see their reaction and body language when they speak, because my intention is not to sort of impose my beliefs and my personal experience on them. I just want to help them with their journey. So whatever their journey is, that's what we're going to focus on. I don't need to implement my experience on them. I will help them because I pretty much experience most of the ups and downs that you can when it comes to passing. Yeah. I have a pretty good feeling of knowing when to say something and when to not say something. Sometimes it's better to just be quiet and let the person sort of, I call it word vomit, just (laughs) blurt it out, let it just come and it will just flow. And, um, but there comes a time where people get stuck and they repeat the same story over and over and over to the same person. And that's where I kind of like try to start redirecting a little because that is how we get stuck in grief and Mm -hmm. just don't move out of it. And I think the problem is a lot of time, not the problem, but the situation becomes that people associate moving on as we're leaving something good, uh, sorry, something bad behind. So let's say, for instance, if you have a relationship with a person and they say, uh, oh, okay, I'm going to break up because this was a terrible relationship. I'm moving on. So mm-hmm. that is your association. Now, how are you going to, quote, unquote, move on from something that you love dearly? That becomes such a conflict in your mind that you're thinking, well, if I move on, that means that now I don't love my pet anymore. Now I'm not honoring them. I love them less. Yeah. I don't care about them anymore. So it's important to understand the difference in the term moving on or whatever the person wants to call that process. For Mm -hmm. me, it's about coming to an acceptance of what happened. doesn't mean that it was anything easier and learning to sort of live with the fantastic memories instead of just focusing on that one time, which is death. And death is inevitable. We are all going that way. Mm -hmm. We just got to learn how to sort of accept it along the way and make the best out of it. I really believe that when you as a pet parent have reached that stage where you're able to focus on the celebration. And when you recall them, sometimes you cry and that's okay, but it should be tears of joy from the memories that you have, not the pain that you experienced on that last day together. And that's where 
I really feel it's important to help pet parents reach that stage. Yeah, that's a that's the moment where you know when you can think about your animal and and not cry over that one day, the one day that they die. Right. And, and instead, you're crying because okay, you miss the good times, but right. but yeah, it's so hard. And and so when when a pet gets diagnosed with cancer, we tend to focus on on that day that's going to happen because. We know right. that everything, we're all going to die. We know that. But yeah. cancer seems to just make it so real. And we tend to focus on when, when are they going to die? What's it going to be like? And right. so that's a, a term I, I got familiar with during our own dog's journey. Um, anticipatory grief is, is yes. the term. Tell us about it. What, what is it and, and how does it impact our relationships with, with our pets when they're going through an illness like cancer? So anticipatory grief is almost like a mirror of the grief that happens when the past pet. It's just that now we're sort of still living with them, but we're still anticipating we're sad, we're angry, uh, we isolate ourselves, and we also have to deal with the emotional and physical stress. Are we their caregiver? Are you the one that's nursing the pet every day and seeing their health decline? A lot of times we like to sort of have imagined control, which is where a lot of guilt comes from later on when the pet passes. Could I have done this? Should I have done this? Should I spend 10000 on chemo treatment when the pet possibly could have been put in a worse quality of life state, not being able to cope with the treatment? Maybe they were at such a later stage um, in their health, like the uh, disease had progressed so much that despite our medical efforts, there is no cure. Terminal illness, that is just it, terminal. It will end, and there is no mm-hmm. cure. So to be around people that can support you and that can sort of, first of all, really, really educate you. And, and I really want, uh, we're working with um, veterinarians right now. We're going to have seminars. Um, I'll talk more about this later in the pet loss group, um, where pet parents will be able to ask firsthand before it happens, ask the veterinarian, what is the process? What are the different signs um, instead of just coming from a person like myself, but a medical professional who would be able to say, these are the signs you should be mindful of. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it's going to make it easier, but also sort of put it into perspective of what is the reality of this situation. And during that time, surround yourself with very positive people. Um, Perhaps you need to do some self-care also. Like, for instance, I offer comfort talk massage, which is something that is non, um, how should I say, it is no, like, skin touch. So it's all clothed. It's more to create that human connection, to feel that you're not alone, because we tend to isolate ourselves very much during this process. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's very emotionally draining. And when we anticipate, um, anticipate uh, somebody's death and we go through that whole process, when they finally transition, it's often we feel a sense of relief, not relief that they pass, but, the, but they're no longer suffering. Mm-hmm. So then the guilt kicks in. Oh, my goodness, I'm feeling relieved that my pet is no longer yeah. here. And then that whole thing starts. So it's a very, very complex and it's very, very different for each single person. And, again, I always go back to what do you have as underlying experience previously? That is often how you're going to react to it um, when it happens. 
all that things all come together. And it's very, very important. Like I always say, find supportive people. Do not be around people where you have to justify your pain or explain your pain and your grief to. Because then you're going to create a lot of anger. And when we direct anger inwards, we become even more guilty. And it's sort of, it's very easy to lash out on people. And um, when the pet passes, you're going to be stuck with a lot of negative relationships because you were in so much pain. Mm-hmm. But we sort of focus our anger on other people at that time. So, yes, for me, huge on, on support during that time. And really yeah. take care of yourself. Be mindful. Be mindful of yourself. Mm-hmm. You have, I mean, there is not, I don't think I've ever met a single pet parent that hasn't wanted to do the best for their pets. We are only human. We make mistakes. And that's okay. We, we have to accept that and allow ourselves to grow from that. I have a list of questions here that I would, I would just love to dive into. Um, but we, we do only have our 30 minute podcast. So, um, I just want to ask you real quick. Um, you have, you have angel paw print now you, you've got this, this going, what, what has been your, your greatest reward since, since starting it? And, And what do you hope for the future with, with angel paw print? I think my greatest reward has been connecting with people and seeing the joy in their face when they find somebody to connect with who has had that experience, who's gone through the same thing, who's done all the crazy things that people think that it's only me that must be doing this. And to get that validation, that has been my greatest. And we've created now a free pet loss support community group here in Vegas, and we meet Mm -hmm. once a month, and it has been so, so well received. And Mm -hmm. aside from that, I just want to quickly put in this thing where where people say um like my saying on the site there is no shame in hurting but continued suffering is optional mm-hmm. that is basically just saying that we have to give ourselves permission to heal and think about it this way if your pet could speak to you what would they say would they want you to be in constant pain or would they want you to remember all those beautiful memories that you had together that is where we all hope to get one day to be able to do that. Yes, I I couldn't agree more. That's so wise. I love that quote. There's no shame in hurting, but continued suffering is optional. And Natalie, thank you for helping so many people through this. You know, I I know that on your website, you talk about getting Angel Pockrant to to go global. And yes. so neat to see that happen. I, I love what yes. you're doing, and we will definitely have you back on the show at some point. Oh, um, and um, thank you so much for being oh, here thank today. Thank you so much for having me talk away. I could talk about this forever. I'm, yeah. Yes, thank you so much, Annalie. This has been thank very you. helpful. Listeners can learn more about your work at angelpawprint.com. For many other tips to help pet parents through the entire tripod journey, please join the discussion at tripods.com. Until next time on Tripod Talk Radio, learn more about canine amputation recovery and find the best gear for two-legged dogs at tripods.com. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for more pet amputation tips from experts and claim your free gift just for listeners at downloads.tripods.com slash podcast.